Hello to those listening, and welcome to our podcast on Modeling Minorities. We are Asian American women, friends who met in college, and daughters of immigrants. These are the conversations we're having, or wish we were having, with our husbands, friends, families, and coworkers. We were trying to decide like what our next topic would be, right? I think I, we, we, we had to pause and we were brainstorming topics, and then I was like, what is actually most concerning to me right now? I was struck by the fact that I am living in this fear of going outside. And I was so surprised that that didn't immediately come to me because what's most personally like concerning for me right now is is just my ability to like go visit my home in Brooklyn alone and to think of a world in which I can ride the subway comfortably. And like, Yes, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the pandemic because of vaccinations and because everybody's kind of getting more used to the precautions. But like there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of of the tunnel in terms of the anti-Asian violence because we keep hearing about stories of like these seemingly random acts of violence. Right. Where whereas like the pandemic, it feels like, you know, okay, I'll wash my hands. I'll do what I can to make sure that I'm staying safe. But how do you avoid people? How do you live in a city that's so congested? I I can't control necessarily whether or not somebody's going to get triggered by seeing me on the street. (laughs) Yeah. And I think with a pandemic or with COVID-19 specifically, a virus or some kind of disease is agnostic. Like they're not targeting you because of your race or how you look. No offense. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think this topic is actually very personal to us. And I think going back to what you said, when we were brainstorming topics, we both were like, oh, I don't know. There's like a few current issues or current Mm. events to talk about. And then we both realized all of a sudden, wait, the thing that is most pressing, the thing that we can't ignore and the thing that we're living with every day is that we don't feel physically safe moving about the world because somebody may identify us as Asian and physically enact violence against us, right? right? right. And because that's such a top of mind thought, like I never move about right now without thinking that because it's so now a part of my identity, I didn't even think of that as being a topic, right? It was like, oh my, it's the same as I'm Asian or I I consider myself a woman. It was so it has become such a big part of my identity mm-hmm. that I didn't think it was newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Right. When you pull back and think about it, you're just like, wait, you don't feel safe walking alone? Yeah. I don't feel safe leaving the house at all. Like walking, if I have to run an errand, like go to Target or Home Depot because that's my suburban life now. Right. Chad has to go with me. Right. You know? Or like the only route I will drive by myself is going to my brother's. Because it's like a 15-minute drive. It's a straight shot down local roads. And then Chad and I talk through it and we're like, okay, I'll wear a face mask. I'll wear sunglasses. I'll wear a hat. I'll basically completely obscure my identity. Text him as soon as I get there. And sometimes we're like, maybe we should just stay on the phone in case something happens so he can hear me. And we got a car camera. (laughs) So it's like so many things that we had to bake in. As like, oh, this is what we'll do to make sure it's safe for 15 minutes on the road in case something should happen. And like one fear I have, which I had to articulate to Chad, which was a very strange conversation, was I don't want you to not know what happened to my body should something happen to me. 
Oh my God. Just think about that. I, I had yeah. to be like, okay, so let's figure out, God forbid something happens to me, like yeah. totally randomly, but even if we're in a store together, yeah. look away for a second, someone snatches me, they murder me, you can't find my body. Like, what are we <laughs> going to do? Yeah. And we had to like figure that out. And it was horrific. Oh man. In my family, it comes up in such subtle ways. Travis was like, oh, we should sign up for Kung Fu. Like, cause Andy really, really likes like kind of action cartoons. And so he'll, you know, play fight and things like that. And then he would, and then he'll be like, yeah, like I, I found this studio in the town over and we should sign up. And I was like, that's a great idea. And then he was like, yeah, it'd be really good for us to learn self-defense. And I was like, <laughs> oh, right. Oh, you're like, you're like a agenda. And I was oh like, God. oh, right. So it's not just a fun thing for the kids. Like he was actually planning on taking it himself. And then also being like, you should also consider it. And, you know, it's like those little subtle things where you're like, oh, right. We need to like be prepared. Yeah. I just saw a headline in the New York Times, actually, that was basically like phone, wallet, keys, pepper spray. <laughs> it, was that specifically for Asians? For specifically for Asians. Well, I got pepper gel, which my younger brother said is better than pepper spray because if it's windy, the, the spray fluid will just like go anywhere. But the gel is more concise in how it like uh, how you how can it hurts. Hurts. Yeah. I tried it and it was not as easy to use as I thought it would be. You kind of have to like press it a couple times. And but I, I sprayed it inside the house and like in in the sink. <laughs> and my mom was nearby and the fumes were so strong that she was just like coughing and like had like a fit. <laughs> I felt really bad. And then I wanted to show my dad and then my dad like made me go outside to do it and I was Why like did you're, you do it in the you're, house? You're, and he was just like are you an idiot like just shoot oh it God. outward like I was just like but what if it lands on this the deck and he's like then go further out <laughs> <laughs> have you tested it no I'm like I'm kind of scared but he bought me two so not just one so actually you bring up a good point which is other people also now it's become their reality. So they're taking right. care of us or voicing right. things. And in the same way, my younger brother was like, we should all take Brazilian jiu-jitsu oh. because a few months ago, he just was interested. But now he's like, Terry, you have to do it to protect yourself. Oh. And then Chad's sister, who is not Asian, sent me a stun gun. Thank you if you're listening. Oh my God. So now I have like all these things that I like don't know if I know how to use um, that are just like in every single purse or bag that I bring out like yeah. anytime I leave the house essentially Chad says I have to bring it even if I go on a walk you do you have it in like a pocket or do you have it like poised in your hand so they would go in my pocket or like a purse that's a part of my purse that's easily accessible like the right. outer whatever pocket right but it's like when I go for a walk I don't bring my phone I don't bring yeah. anything the only thing I bring is a pepper gel right, <laughs> right. I don't right. even bring a mask anymore because we don't have to bring a mask <laughs> when we walk outside so it's like yeah to your point maybe we will one day move beyond COVID, but I, yeah, I don't know if this is actually going to go away. Yeah. Right. How do you know that somebody's hate for you has died down? <laughs> yeah. Unless I had the <laughs> superpower of reading their minds. I don't know that I would. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. And so my brother just came in from Amsterdam. And so he has been living blissfully in a city that is happy and kind and Biking everywhere. Biking everywhere. <laughs> no hills. Anyway, so so my brother came in from Amsterdam and he has a ton of friends still in the city. And then I was like, be super careful. I want to remind you that like we're going through a really 
tense time right now. And so like, don't just be like walking down the street with your headphones and not paying attention and just be super aware. And it kind of sucks like to have to be like, hey, I know you came from an idyllic little place, but now (laughs) please be careful. I'm really glad that you warned your brother because it seems like a lot of people who might be living abroad may not be hearing about this news. And in fact, some people that I've spoken to who are not Asian also don't know that it's happening. And I think that was really shocking to me because- In the US? In the US, yeah. Like I see the news stories. I unfortunately am watching the videos every day and daily there are multiple videos of like, you know, the women who got a brick punched into their face or people dying from their injuries. So for me, it's not just something I'm like experiencing and feeling, but the news is supporting my fears, right? It's like reaffirming that this is still happening and continuing to escalate. And then it's really strange when I talk to other people and they're just like, oh, what are you talking about? Hmm. And it's almost like they're gaslighting me unintentionally Uh because they're completely unaware that my reality is different. Right, right. Even some of our friends who are not East Asian or Southeast Asian don't realize what we're going through because somebody had asked like, hey, do you want to travel somewhere and like meet somewhere because we're both vaccinated? And I had to say, no, because I don't think I can fly by myself, right? Because there's a lot of travel time where I'd be alone, like going to the airport, waiting in the airport on the plane by myself. And that friend was just so shocked. She was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just didn't realize that you're living with this day to day. Right. And I remember I went to Chad. Oh, what do you think about me doing this? Just to kind of like broach it. And he was like, no, he's like, you can't. It's like something will happen. And it was interesting. I think, I guess it's just that also shine the light on the more we talk about it to people, the more aware they are and the more they take care of us because Chad even was just like, absolutely not. And I think he even suggested, like, I'll fly you, like, I'll go with you. Right. Like a parent taking a child, which I thought was very sweet. But, like, yeah, it was interesting. Like, Chad, I think, is on high alert on my behalf, which is really nice. So have you experienced this? I, for me, like, we are going to the city ever since, I guess, around February or March. Like, Travis has been going into the city with me because prior to that, I would drive into the city by myself and it would be fine. But then I was, you know, dealing with house drama. And so my parents were like, oh, you know, you should bring Travis. And it was a sexist thing at the time in the sense that it's like I'm dealing with contractors. They probably deal better with men. And so then but now it's like a safety thing. I remember walking with him down the street just to go like get a set of keys made or something like that. And I was like, nobody's going to hit me if I'm walking with you. Right. And then Travis is like, it's, it's daylight. Like nobody's going to attack you in daylight. And I was like, I was like, that doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) In fact, because it's daylight, the videos are such good quality because we can see everything. (laughs) When I talk about whether or not I want to move back into the city, because a lot of people are asking, oh, are you coming back? Like New York is opening up, you know, everybody's out. Like, so I was talking to my friend about how I might stay with my parents for longer. And she was like, really? And just so surprised because, you know, why would I give up the opportunity to live in New York when I could? And then I listed for her like, yeah, COVID and a school that's 
a little farther away and not as ideal in terms of the programming. And then the anti-Asian violence. And then she's like, oh, when you list it all like that, that makes sense. <laughs> Is she Asian? No, she's white. <laughs> and so... But the anti-Asian violence is is very much something that I that nobody can solve for me, right? Like nobody yeah. can be like, oh yeah, it's fine. Like it's not it's not as bad. You know, right. one mom that I spoke to who is Asian was just like, I wouldn't come back if I had another option. And and then in with regards to the anti-Asian violence, she was like, they're attacking people with kids too. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I don't want to be like having to deal with that. You're on high I'm, alert every time right? you're with your kids. Like I'm on high alert enough already, just yeah. like having two kids like not run into the street. And so so I, I guess to your point about like whether or not people know about it, it's it's not that they don't know about it, it's that like they don't have any answers or they don't have any words of soothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I don't know if like actually moving back will help dissipate the the kind of fantasy horror I've like created in my head, mm -hmm. you know, because I remember when I went to go visit you before you moved to Denver, that was my first time in New York City uh, since lockdown. And I was like, how do, how do I move? Like, what do we do? Like, do I touch you? Do I do I cross the street every time somebody comes towards me? What what how do I navigate this? And so and whereas like I think you at the time, too, because you were living in the city, it just felt a bit more natural and a bit less I don't know terrifying but that was COVID related and not necessarily yeah that was COVID related. yeah that was COVID right, related right. and so more like the yeah. beginning of what we now yeah. have been living through of like the pandemic exactly. and trying to move about the world knowing that COVID-19 was a real threat right exactly and so so then it makes me wonder like okay maybe by being in it it will dampen the fear because like my parents I do worry about them I worried about them much more so early on when all of this was kind of coming to light. But they seemed less phased. I think they've been in the same town for 30 plus years and they go to the same grocery stores and they are creatures of habit. And so they know the roots pretty well, but I don't know that like, oh, me worrying less about them day to day means that it's going away. You know, yeah. I think we just kind of like become a little numb to it. I don't see. I still go back to what we talked about earlier of. Yeah. I liked your point when you said with COVID-19, there are certain rules that we're supposed to follow to keep right. us healthy and safe, right? Like right. wash your hands, wear a mask. Right. If you have any symptoms, stay home for two weeks. Right. But with what we're talking about today, which has to do with fear and safety and right. our feeling safe because of the way that we look. Right. A lot of it hinges on other people and it's not objective at all, right? We exactly. don't know if someone else is racist or if someone else is having a, a quote unquote well, bad day, right? And then they're just like, I'll just take it out on this group of people. So mm -hmm. I think that's the piece that is really scary. Exactly. So much so that I even called my mom who's living in Taiwan to tell her, don't come back this year. It's not right. safe for you right. because the stress of having to worry about her every day is just so great if she were mm -hmm. here versus mm -hmm. in Taiwan where everyone looks like her. And for the most part, it's a pretty safe place, mm -hmm. which leads me to my next point, which is I, I even thought about leaving the country. Right. I actually had my mom look for property in Taiwan because Chad came to me and he said, 
I don't know that it's going to be safe for you ever. We might need a backup plan. We might want to buy a place in Taiwan that if things go sideways, we just have a place in Taiwan to go to. And that was also a moment when I realized how privileged we are that we could even be having that conversation. It was like twofold, right? It was, I was feeling so privileged to be having a conversation like that. And then the other side of the coin was, my white husband is coming to me proactively and telling yeah. me he doesn't know if it's going to be safe for me long-term in the U.S., right? Right. And so we had my mom look at property. We, like, jumped on a video call with her. But that was also, like, an a insane exercise of, like, trying to figure out, is that something we have to think about? Like, right. you know, we started to get our paperwork in order because we might have to get citizenship. Right. Like, that is the type of conversation we're having. Yeah. So surreal. Oh, man. I, yeah, that's, that's so intense. It's interesting that Chad feels safe in Asia. Oh my gosh, right? he loves it. Yeah. He loves I think it that's, so much. I mean, that either speaks to the white person's status in mm-hmm. Asia or, or Asia. I mean, and I know this is not true. So I'm like, or are Asians not racist? <laughs> that's a good point about like um maybe whiteness being prior like universal passport yeah or like being at the top of the hierarchy which we should definitely cover in a future episode right like yeah. whiteness like what privileges that gives you but um no he loves it and i think um it also whenever we're in asia it makes him realize that america and americanness and this idea of like you know, America being like the number one country in the our culture and the way that we do things being the end all be all. He's mm-hmm. realized that's not it. Mm-hmm. Something that I do feel so bad about is like part of the Taiwan conversation, if we want to go there. Yeah, a lot of that conversation is also like us dealing with the guilt of us having the option to do that. And like yeah. what we leave behind all the people we love in the U.S. and we just abandon and escape to right. this place that we hope is safer for us but not necessarily safer to everyone else, right? Who's been left behind. Right. Um, I was talking to my black coworker about living in fear and not feeling safe and made this comment like, oh, I think I might want to think about moving to Taiwan. And she rightfully said, well, you're lucky that you have that option because it's not like I can go back to Africa, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they, their family has been here and they just don't have any connection there. And I felt like that was such a fair statement to make but it also checked my privilege of like yeah it is really nice that my mom is there and that I probably could get residency and that Chad could move there and not everyone has this luxury of going to a place where everyone looks like them so it's safer from that perspective Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah that was a good reminder of how lucky we are yeah and so that's something that Chad and I are trying to work through but should we just stay and try to make it better like this Mm -hmm. podcast right this is like our little attempt at trying to make things slightly better for the people who listen or for ourselves as we work through these issues. But then it's like that bumps up against true safety for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like at what point do we just say like, okay, enough, things can't get better no matter how hard we try and then we just go. Right. So that's like something we're working through actively. Right. And it's hard, right? Because it's guilt, which you know is a huge motivator for us, mixed in with <laughs> actually trying to take care of ourselves. And, you know, we haven't even really touched on the mental toll, which I mean, I think we did, but there's like a huge stress factor. That is the thing that we're living with, right? You know, that forces us to physically move differently, 
but is a thing that you can't articulate or explain to people who don't feel it. But there's nothing we can do. So I think that's why it's frustrating day to day. It's like, I can't change if other people feel like they want to use Asians as the scapegoats that day. Right. Right. So how do you feel about President Biden recently signing into law the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which specifically is an anti-Asian hate crime bill? Yeah. So interesting that it's called COVID-19. Yeah. Not just like a general anti-Asian hate crime bill. Yeah. Are we being gaslit again? (laughs) I don't know. Right. It's like it's only related to this because, in fact, you are related to the virus. But otherwise, you go to Ivy League schools and you're good. It's just related (laughs) to this like isolated virus. You're being targeted. Um, Good, I guess. I just didn't really understand how it impacts day to day. I think it impacts like how. Um, how hate crimes prosecute. are assessed, right? Yeah, right? Or how we can prosecute the firm. Exactly. So it it felt more um, Trump made it safe to be a bigot, right? And yeah, so now it's it. trying to do yeah. things. And- exactly. Yeah, and so it's- now it's not safe. Like now there are actual regulations that will charge you, but I don't know. I don't know if people who are doing it care about this. Exactly. And I think the signing of that was more symbolic. Symbolic. Yeah. And I think it positioned to the world like this is how the U.S. feels about this. Right. But I just don't know how it'll actually be regulated, like you said. Has Travis ever witnessed anything happening? Because this just reminds me that I think a few weeks ago we were in Home Depot. Chad and I were walking to go get something in Home Depot and somebody glared at me. And Chad saw. And so it almost, I mean, it was horrible, but then it almost validated my feelings because it was nice to have a witness of Chad, like kind of shifting me behind him. Wow. Yeah. It was like someone like when we're passing, like it was very noticeable and Chad and I both felt it. And so I don't know if that's happened to you, but that was something where I was like, thank God I'm not alone at Home Depot because something could have happened. In that moment, I kind of like excused it. Right. But then Chad was the one who was like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, I didn't make it up because I think that then goes back to how quickly we will make excuses for other people. Right. right? Right. Um, So it was nice in a way for it to be validated and for someone else to be like, oh, I saw and felt it. Right. Right? And I didn't feel safe for you. Right. So then it was like, oh, okay. So me being on high alert is warranted slash exhausting, but like, yeah. Okay. It's nice that this person who was the most safe in the U.S., like a white male, right, they right. actually felt it. Right. No? Right. It does speak to the fact that it is helpful to to speak out about it and to like make sure other people are aware so that so that they also know how they're holding their bodies too, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I don't even know how to wrap this conversation because a right. lot of it is just so sad. <laughs> Where, I mean, so, we don't know, right? Like yeah. we're still in this, we're still living day to day, making sure that like we are safe. And so there's no end yet. That is so depressing. So we'll just end (laughs) this episode and be like, hi everyone. We are very scared and we'll talk to you later. And hopefully I don't move to Taiwan. (laughs) Or hopefully you do so that I can have a place to stay when I go. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I heard from other people too. They were like, Make sure you get an extra bedroom. I know, seriously, which is also just like us making light of a horrific aspect of our lives. But um, 
Yeah. Well, I guess we should wrap, even though there's like no conclusion or resolution whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What would it be? I don't I don't know. And it's not like I can change my behavior. I still just stay home mostly. Oh, you know, somebody also recently asked, like, oh, now that you're vaccinated, do you go out all the time? And I was like, no, nothing has changed for me. I read something that was like, I'm tired of being called resilient. And oh. I was like, I was like, oh, that's I read so that funny. too. Where's that from? <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um and and so like Oh my god, yes. But, right? And they was like, I'm tired of being called resilient. I just want to live in a place that like doesn't require this of me. Yeah. You know? Because, and so oh, yes, that really resonated with me too. Yeah. And like, yes, of course, adversity is important in our lives. Like us as humans, like that's how we grow. We think it's a badge of honor to call somebody resilient, but then also we don't question the system that made them have to be resilient. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, oh, you're so tough, but also it sucks that you have to be tough in this way. Yeah. Because at the bare minimum, you one should feel safe right. walking down the street in the country that they live. Right. Like that should be the bare min- minimum. And I don't, I don't need nor want someone to be like, you are so resilient for living through that and living in fear right. for your safety just right. simply by existing here. Like that's not right. something I need. Right. Good point. Well, I'll talk All to right. you later. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you for listening. This is really meant to be a conversation, and we'd love to hear from you. Email us at hello at unmodelingminorities.com. Unmodeling Minorities will be released every Thursday. Hope you join us next time.